everything we are going to do. I was standing here and um, the Lord ministered to my heart that this whole conference is um, it's about character development. Everybody say character development. So you are here virtually for your character to change. The whole thing about the anointing is character. Yeah, the whole thing about the anointing is character. In fact, you, you may think that anointing is power. Anointing is um, healing, unction, prophecy, this and that. Now I agree, there is some dimension of power when it comes to the anointing. There is some amount of um, performing and doing things when it comes to the anointing. But I'm telling you, where there is no character, the anointing cannot last. It will just operate for a short while and disappear. So if you want your anointing to last, if you want the anointing to be powerful, you want it to last, you want to operate in the anointing and after 20 years, 30 years, your anointing is still active and blessing people, you have to develop character. So we are going to spend all the time talking about character and then on the last day, I will talk about the power of the anointing or the power of the spirit. Um, the character of the Holy Spirit which he imparts to believers is summed up in seven different characteristics and I will go into the seven characteristics later but um, when you read your Bible in Revelation chapter 4 the verse number 5 the Bible said and out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunders and voices and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne which are the seven spirits of God everybody say the seven spirits of God so there were seven lamps burning before the throne and these seven lamps were the seven spirits of God now somebody may think that the Bible is saying that there are seven Holy Spirits but you and I know that there is one spirit so the Holy Spirit is one with a sevenfold character so when you read when you look at the cover of this book you will see the golden candlestick with seven branches these seven branches represent the seven major characteristics or character traits of the Holy Spirit and Isaiah talked about them in Isaiah chapter 11 the verse number 2 Isaiah chapter 11 and the verse number 2 and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and of understanding the spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord so the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him that is the first one um, that one the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him when the, Jesus said the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor to liberate people open the eyes of the blind free prisoners and so on and so forth that is the power of the spirit so the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him is the spirit of power 
But in dealing with them, I'm not going to start from there because you don't want to start your life looking for power. You will end up making mistakes. So, I will rearrange these character traits of the Holy Spirit. Put them in a certain order so that your life can be blessed. So, we are going to speak about them in this order. The spirit of the fear of the Lord will be the first one. The spirit of knowledge will be the second one. The spirit of understanding. The spirit of wisdom. The spirit of counsel. The spirit of might. And then in the night I'll come and talk about the power of the oil on Friday. So I want to begin with the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Everybody say the fear of the Lord. Come on, shout it, the fear of the Lord. The Bible said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And if the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, then the fear of the Lord must be the beginning of power. You cannot carry power if you don't fear God. Potiphar's wife was trying to entice Joseph to sleep with her. And Joseph said, I cannot do this because I fear God. I can't do it. You are my master's wife. I can't do this. I fear God. David was deceived by his people to kill Saul. They said, this is the day God spoke about. Strike this man once and he will never get up. David said, let me test it and see. So he took a knife and cut just the edge of the garment of Saul. And his heart smote him as if an electrical current was running through his heart. But he nearly got a heart attack. He said, mm, I cannot touch the Lord's anointed. They call it the fear. The fear of the Lord. One of the things I see missing in the church today is the fear of the Lord. We have used until it has become a slogan and it's not part of our lives. Everybody say the fear of the Lord. Um, whether you are a man or a woman, if you want to understand what the fear of the Lord is, you will have to look at the one who feared God most in the world. M Moses definitely feared God, but he was not the person who feared God most in the world because if Moses feared God most in the world, he would have entered the promised land. But we are told that Moses didn't enter. Nah! One of the things that is most scary it's when the Bible said that God is not the respecter of persons. No matter who you are, if you cross a certain line, he will punish you. So the Bible said that it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And I watch him in the Bible that no matter who you were, no matter who you were, if you cross a certain line, God punish you. Moses, the Bible said Moses was faithful in all his house. God told Aaron and Miriam, anybody
body I call and raise in the prophet. I speak to them in dreams and visions. But my servant Moses is not so. I speak to him mouth to mouth. And yet when Moses crossed the line, broke the tabernacle, the next minute God said point at a rock and he rather smote it. God said Moses, Mejau, I'm angry with you. You will not enter the promised land. That was even Moses. So the number of things you are doing and still think you will enter the promised land. This morning I just brought you an assurance. You are fooling yourself. Hmm. We gossip. We still think we are going to heaven. We steal. We still think we are going to heaven. Fornicate. We still think we are going to heaven. Commit adultery. Still think we are going to heaven. Then I read somewhere in the Bible. Flesh and blood shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And then I read in the book of Revelation. That liars and fornicators and adulterers and so on and so forth. Shall not enter. Then I read somewhere again. But the works of the flesh are manifest. Witchcraft, variance, stimulations and things. And it said of the which I tell you and I have told you before. That they will do such things. Cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So then. I realize that. He is a loving God. But he does not allow people to fool around him. Because he is so much of a king that he does not allow carelessness around him. Today I sat in a car to move and I saw pieces of paper in the car. Toll boot receipt. But I saw many receipts and pieces of paper inside the car. So I told Uncle Aaron, I said, Aaron, get the people who take care of this car. I don't like rubbish in a car. And that is even me. Turn to somebody and tell the person, God does not like that. Uh-uh. I was in America. I was packing the things in my suitcase. A young American boy was standing with me. He's a Ghanaian, but born in America. He was standing by me, and I packed my things in packing cubes. When you look in my suitcase when I'm packed to travel, boy, is organized like Philofax. Everything lies. No, I don't give you something to put in my suitcase and you throw it. When you throw it, I get up from the bed. I take it from where you threw it, right in front of you. I take it myself and I put it down quietly and I press it back on. And I say, Kuse, why? Nipa or two, son. the So this boy was standing by me and he asked me, he said, Daddy, I told my mother that the old man has got class. So daddy, how did you learn this class? He said, you're so classy. But when I look at your background, I said, which background? Then I laughed. I said, the army barracks and the Sabuzungu. He said, yeah. And your daddy, you told me, your, you told us your daddy didn't go to school. Your mom didn't go to school. You grew up partly in a village. I said, yeah. So how did you learn this class? I told him, I said, you know what? What you don't get by the benefit of belonging to enlightened parents, you can gain it by observation. Observation! 
So he said, Daddy, can you explain a little more? I said, yeah. I said, you know, I spent a lot of time walking around Archbishop Duncan Williams. And I picked up many things. I learned how to take care of a shoe. That is where I learned something called shoe tree. Because I saw Papa had put the shoe down and something was in the shoe. And I said, ah, Tarawa What is sitting inside the shoe? Are they Sagrigayo? Is it a mouse? My young Pambila Gibantabuno does a Girao. But you need a shoe tree. The first time they said shoe tree, I thought it would look like a mango tree. And I saw shoe tree. Then I knew shoe home. Then I knew when to wear a, a suit with our socks. When to wear it with socks. Mm-hmm. Then I observe people wearing suspenders. And I see the way some can wear it. I see they have a problem with their waist. Then I said, no, this is not the way to wear it. <laughs> that is not the way to wear it. So, observation. But I was saying, said, Mimpefi. And that is even me as a human being. So God, no matter how he loves you, if you are not a bastard, when you cross a line, he will deal with you. So you know what people, even Jesus, though he was a son, he learned obedience by the things he suffered. That is why Anytime you are going through something and you realize that it's God who is punishing you a little bit, instead of becoming bitter, you ought to be rejoicing because it is a sign that you are God's child and He loves you, so He's disciplining you. But then, in the charismatic dispensation of Christianity, Every discipline of God has been turned into the activity of witches. Anybody whose hands are in what I'm going through, may God punish them. And God is standing in heaven and saying, it's my own hand. No, it's my own hand. Are you saying I should punish myself? One day, King David, the man after God's heart, messed up around God. And what was his mess? The mess was just that he counted people. Just he counted people. And God was angry. And God said, they could choose some number of months of fleeing before your enemies. Some number of years of farming. And then, I think as for the pestilence, he said three days. David said it's better to fall into the hands of God than to fall into the hands of man. That means there are times some of the things are not man, but they are God. The fear of God. Tsunami. Fear him. When you don't fear God, a church may not grow. When you don't fear God, people may not come to church. You can bind witches, bind wizards, principalities, and powers. God won't endorse what you are doing. And I told you that Jesus Christ is the perfect example of obedience because Moses messed up. David messed up. Even Paul, the apostle, there were times he missed it. 
course of Peter, you and I know he missed it many times. So the perfect example of the fear of God is this man we call Jesus Christ, son of the living God. Now, the seven spirits of God are the seven characteristics of God and they flow into each other. So this one starts soft and then hands over to that one and blends into that one and it's a complete unit of a sevenfold spirit of God. Let's look at Jesus. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 5 to 9. Hebrews 5, 5 to 9. So also, Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee, and he saith also in another place, Thou art a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered a prayers and supplication with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard, in that he feared. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience through the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto them that obey him. As I was looking at this scripture and I, I was telling mommy that the scripture has three main things. The, this scripture is like a competition. Or better still, a contest. Everybody say a contest. Now, it is a contest to do the will of God. Everybody say contest to do the will of God. Come on, shout it contest to do the will of God. Anytime you see a footballer playing in a soccer match, that footballer is in a contest to do the will of his coach or the will of his manager. So contest to do the will of God. And in every contest to do something, you are dealing with an arena. Everybody say arena. Come on, shout it, arena. And then somebody talk, somebody say the game. Come on, shout it, the game. And then talk about the prize. Wow. You are good, you are good followers of sports. The arena, the game, and the prize. Always remember these three things when you are dealing with God. The arena, the game, and the prize. So in the case of Jesus and in the case of all of us, look at verse number 7. I, I, like, I like verse 7. I like verse 7. In the days of his flesh. Of his flesh. Okay, go to the Amplified. Let me look. Amplified. Who in the days of his flesh, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up Definite special petitions for that which not only he wanted but needed. So go back to King James. Everybody say in the days of his flesh. So the flesh is the arena. The flesh is the arena. The flesh is the arena. When you go to a Sports stadium, there is a playing turf, the grass on which they play the ball. Then there is the running track 
where they do the running. Then, if they want to do boxing, they will set up a boxing ring in the stadium. So the arena has got the platform on which or in which you play your game. I want you to pinch somebody and tell the person, your flesh is the arena. Pinch somebody. Gently. I know some of you, you are farmers' children and your pinch can be dangerous. So when I say pinch, don't take advantage and break somebody's hand. Somebody say, the arena is the flesh. Now, always remember that. You see, we've spent so much time on witches and wizards, the devil, that we do on the flesh. When God asked Eve, why did you do this? He said the devil. Then God said, Adam, why did you do this? He said, the woman you gave me. Both of them didn't understand that their problem is the flesh. Now you read the Bible and the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers. To be honest with you, that thing simply means you wrestle not only against flesh and blood. Because definitely we wrestle against the flesh. When you see Pito and you will not drink it, it's not about the devil, it's about your appetite. When you see a woman and you will not sleep with her, it's not about the devil, it is about the lust in your body. Because you know what? Whether you are a Christian or not, sexual desire will be there. Listen, you can never pray away the appetite for rice and fried stew and meat. So if there is fasting and you smell rice and fried stew and meat, whether you are born again, you are an apostle or a prophet, something inside you will shout, Wallahi. So I take authority over the spirit of rice and the, I take authority over the spirit of eh, fried stew and meat. Ah, ah, this is not a spiritual. It's a flesh. Whether you are a believer or unbeliever, you must position yourself well. Otherwise, if you are a young person with sexual hormones working in you, if you posture yourself to fall, you will fall. Is the flesh. Listen, there's no shortcut in dealing with the flesh apart from self-control. So Paul said, I put under my body. I, I wrestle against this body and I put the body under control because if I am not careful, I will preach to others and I myself will become a castaway. So who in the days of his flesh? So there was a time God himself Jesus, the son of God in the flesh. He was made in the fashion of man and was made in the likeness of man and in fashion as a man. He had to become obedient unto death even the death of the cross. You are in the flesh. You are in the flesh. So money, food, 
sets the quest for power quest for prominence so you are the senior pastor's wife but you are not the president of the high ladies ministry in the church something inside you once in a while would try to say who does she think she is who made her the president of the high ladies ministry i will show her she is the president of the high ladies ministry but i am the president of the senior pastor because i am the wife of the senior pastor i will show her where power lies and this thing ain't no devil this thing is your flesh it's your flesh well 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 the devil 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 it's not the devil it's your flesh you know there are people who naturally you want to hate naturally something inside you just hates them you don't like the way they walk you don't like the way they talk even when they are drinking water you get angry there are praise and worship leaders you don't want to see them at all as soon as they say covenant keeping God mini covenant Mini covenant. Who in the days 